Hey guys, how you doing? This is Tevin from Testimonies for Christ or Test for Christ for short. Um, this is our very first podcast. Um, I'm going to make the podcast very, um, uh, it's, it's going to be a little bit shorter than the other ones. Um, if you guys don't know, if you guys haven't heard, the format is going to be, as for now, we're going to be releasing a podcast about every uh, two weeks. And um, yeah, about every two weeks or sometimes uh, tw twice a month on average uh, dispersed throughout the month. Uh, but I really want to begin getting some testimonies up here from just different believers or people in the body of Christ uh, that just want to talk about how the Lord has saved them or, you know, how the Lord has progressed them throughout their walk of Christ. Because, you know, a lot of times people don't actually remember the exact day that they got saved. Sometimes people remember the season. They remember the time, they remember the phase, uh, but not everybody remembers the exact day uh, that they, you know, got saved or, you know, came over to a relationship with Christ. Um, and I also believe, too, as well, it can be very encouraging for those who are watching, uh, those who are, you know, younger in the faith or even older in the faith. Uh, the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I believe that testimonies of us talking about Christ and how he saved us, saved our soul is very relevant to um, helping to edify the believer. Because uh, I know that times when I hear testimonies from other believers, um, it really encourages me, in, especially in the areas of my life that I may be weakened to know that God has delivered, set someone free or edified them in a certain area of their life, especially if we know that those things are biblically a promise for God, it encourages me to continue to have faith and to continue to trust the Lord with that area of my life. Uh, so uh, I think it'll be very encouraging. I'm excited to see the type of people that we're going to have up here. I already have a couple of people lined up already, um, but I'm excited to see just uh, the listeners uh, be able to give their, uh, their testimony. So, of course, we'll set it up through call-in or We'll set it up also through, uh, you may, if you live close to me, if you're a friend of mine, you might be able to come through and we can actually put you on the mic and interview you, video and all of that. Um, of course, um, I will have to hear your testimony first before I put it out there because I don't, <laughs> I don't want uh, people being deceived <laughs> from uh, something that may not actually be a Christian testimony, but a person just changing their life. Uh, to me, that's not, uh, that's not the, it, that's not the, essential of salvation essential of salvation is that you know for a fact that you have given your soul uh your mind your will your emotions all over to the lordship of jesus christ um so uh for our first podcast today man um there's a couple of things that i've been thinking about that i wanted to talk about uh that has been plaguing my mind lately man and i'm glad uh, that we have an opportunity to have a voice on certain occasions even if it's a couple of people that hear it but uh, this this thing lately, man, as you guys have seen, uh, that has been going rampant with the abortions, especially the late term abortions, um, is is very unfortunate. Um, and I know that a lot of times people are trying to defend, um, you know, uh, these things. What they they call it the woman's right to choose, but really, um, in the woman choosing, they are also taking away the rights of another human being that doesn't have a choice. And I think a lot of times people don't really think about that. You know, um, I actually know a couple of, uh, women who have had an abortion and, um, have vocalized it to me, you know, years ago. And, you know, they were very, I, I don't think I, uh, had a conversation with one of them to where they were happy or, um, unaffected by the situation. 
Um, you know, we do, we do live in a callous generation and because we live in a callous generation, you know, I can completely understand why um, worldly people would desire to fight for certain things. Now, I do believe that the media is brainwashing a lot of people and is giving them illogical and weak argumentation in order to justify their uh, sinful behavior, whatever the ulterior motives may be. Uh, but I don't believe that, you know, people who are in the world um, are willing to sit down and have a real conversation about this issue, you know, because it is an issue. I mean, when you think about the amount, uh, the magnitude of children that are being killed or murdered um, every single year that's being dismembered uh, from their um, mother's bodies. And, um, you know, I'm very shocked, too, as well, because, like, uh, you know, when you look at interviews of women and you just hear them, some of them who have had abortions just talk about it. Some of them are very, very callous about it, you know, and you kind of think to yourself like, yo, I mean, you are you're a human being. You're alive. You know, uh, do you really think that it would be OK if somebody just came and killed you innocently and you did nothing to deserve that murder, you know, or deserve that killing, you know, and I know they call it abortion, but it really is killing because it's a life. And because it's a it's a human life um, that's inside of the womb is just not as developed as other human lives, you know. So um, that argumentation doesn't really work. Neither does the location work. Um, I mean, we really just have to come down to it. It's a human. I mean, there's nothing you could do about it. And uh, this is especially very dear to me because, like, you know, I have a baby on the way, and uh, you know, I'm very excited. I'm hype. I'm going to be a father. Well, technically, I'm already a father, but. Um, um, I have a child that's that's on the way, and I remember the uh, what I felt in my heart when we first went to the ultrasound place, and they uh, they showed us the child's heart beating. And man, I, I do I tell you, like, dude, I was like, I wasn't say I wouldn't say I was stricken to where I was emotional, but I was like very happy, and I was very excited. And the first thought that came to my mind. Is that like, yo, this is a person with a personality. Um, and although they are my offspring, they are a to they'll be a totally different human being. And they'll have their own gifts and their own talents and uh their own way of thinking, all of this type of stuff. And, you know, I was thinking in that moment, you know, it was just only natural because of the things that have been coming out and that have been happening. You know, I was thinking in my mind, I was like, man, how could people just casually, you know, kill someone? Uh, like this, you get them coming from, and you know, we went to go get checked up at eight weeks. And when I literally saw, we saw the baby's heart look like it was beating out of his chest. It was so adorable, man. So, and then when I saw all of the other ultrasounds, I was like, yo, this, this is, <laughs> I was like, this is crazy, man. But I, I really, I kind of partly realized why the issue is such a big issue that's at hand is because um, people aren't told the honest an evident truth about actually what abortion is. And the reason being is because like, I remember there was at points in my walk to where I didn't fully understand that abortion was actually murdering of a human being. I just saw it as like, Oh, somebody doesn't want to have a child. So they just get rid, rid of, and you know, uh, I didn't think about it like that. You get them coming from. So, um, I think that the most important thing that we have to do going forward, especially as believers, is be willing to have that conversation with those who don't fully understand what they're doing. Because, 
you know, from the young ladies that I had conversations with in the past that had, you know, uh, came up to me and vocalized to me about uh, what they had done. And they were very shameful about it and very penitent, uh, but they're very shameful uh, about, you know, what they had done. You know, I think that they realized like they I think when they first did it, I don't think that they really knew or thought about the fact that this is a human life. You know, um, I think most of them was just. Uh, they were thinking about themselves in that moment and it may have, uh, or they were thinking about the shame that they may have in that moment. Um, there's a lot of things or factors that was going into that person's mind. Um, and you know, because of that, it could cause a person to make a brash decision and they not fully understand or comprehend what they are doing. So, um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I prayed for them. Um, the, 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 the encounters that I did have, and, you know, I told him that, you know, if you repent and just go to the Lord about it, he'll forgive you. Um, and we see that clear in scripture, no matter what you've done or what you have experienced, um, God will forgive you if you, uh, you know, let it go and you change your way of thinking and renew your mind through his scripture, through his word. And also, most of all, making him your Lord and your savior, you pretty much making him Lord of your life. Um, so, you know, it. It was kind of unfortunate, but I, I don't think that they fully knew or thought about the fact that, man, this is a human life, you know, um, because, of course, those decisions are easier to make when you downplay the actuality of the problem. Um, you know, just to be honest with you, um, and that's why I said, you know, just a couple minutes ago, you know, I didn't really, you know, when, when I first got saved, somebody had asked me about abortion, you know, I would have really had a very, as a babes in Christ, I would have had a very somewhat neutral stance on it. Uh, but I wouldn't have been so like, uh, thorough like I am now. This is because I, I am able to identify what's actually there. And it's a human life. Uh, beforehand, I didn't fully know. I didn't have the details. I didn't know what went on. So my assumption is like, you know, I was somewhat, uh, past feeling with it or somewhat slight callous to it. And it wasn't a willful callousness. It was just a one of not understanding what was going on. So, uh, man, this is a huge issue that's going on now. And uh, I can see a lot of people there. They're, they're say that they are fighting for the woman's right to choose. Uh, but to be honest with you, do like, first of all, you know, if we were to get to the nitty gritty of things, first of all, uh, it's not your right to choose whether or not someone else lives or not. I don't care what they have done. That's not up to you. To, that's not the decision that's up to you to make unless God specifically says that this should happen to these certain type of people. It's not your decision to make. And, you know, um, and I, I just recently read a story that a, a, a gentleman posted on Facebook, a guy posted on Facebook. And he said that he, the article was talking about this lady. She was upset and she was mourning. She's actually a pastor. Uh, she's a, She's a woman pastor, which it doesn't make sense. We could talk about that in another episode. There's really no such thing biblically as a woman pastor. But uh, she was a woman pastor, but she was deeply hurt uh, because of Trump's, uh, you know, Trump's words on late term abortion. And she was one of those people that got a late term abortion. And she apparently killed her child um, right before he was about to be born. And I don't want to say killed because it just make I think it make her feel bad. Uh, but 
you know, that's essentially what happened. Uh, the doc apparently they saw a lot of uh, problems and issues with the child, and the doctors came in there and they said, "Hey, you know, if you if you don't you know get rid of this child, this child is going to die." And then also too as well, it may it may put you at risk too in the end. And one of the things that I say to this all the time is that even if a doctor tells us something, the doctors are not prophets. They don't know the future. They can give you a probable means for something, but we still have a miraculous God that exists. And especially if you are a Christian, first and foremost, you don't throw away, uh, you don't never come to a point of sinning in order to try to save your own life. Uh, what you do is you leave it up to God and you let him be the deciding factor of what happens to that child after that child is born. But that's not your decision to make, you know, and. You know, I think that the lady was dealing with a lot of guilt. She was mourning. She was dealing with a lot of hurt, unfortunately. And I think that the words of the president really uh, struck her to the core uh, because, you know, for her, she probably had been dealing with guilt and shame for making that decision, you know, and it's unfortunate. It did happen. It's in the past. There's nothing you could do about it. But you still want to leave that situation with the right way of thinking. You don't want to leave a situation with wrong thinking. And the, even though the situation was bad, it was that failure is supposed to teach you a lesson about something that you are just not supposed to do going forward in the future. Uh, so, you know, with this, with this lady, um, you know, I, I prayed for, especially when I saw the story, cause it, it sucks, you know, just to know that that happened. Uh, but you know, my, my advice or my thoughts as a Christian would have been like, you know, I know you're scared. I know you're terrified, but these doctors, they're not God. And it's not that's not their decision to make. And most of all, you need to be willing to go to the Lord about it in prayer and say, Lord, God, could you save me and my child? And you leave it at that. But you don't make the choice to kill the child because they're going to come outside of the womb with some type of birth defects or some type of issues or whatever it may be. So um, I, this is a big conversation that's going on now, and it, it has to be talked about. It has to be addressed. And the reason being is because of how callous people are becoming towards certain sinful issues and certain sinful actions. I don't think people really realize or just think about sometimes what they are actually saying. Um, you know, I've had conversations with, um, you know, several Christians about it. You know, people who say that they're Christians, I don't really know. Uh, but I've had conversations with several Christians about it. And a lot of them are some of them are neutral, but then some of them are more so like, hey, man, let people make their decision. They're worldly, but not that's not the way that we approach the world. If you really, as a believer, really genuinely love people, there is at not at any point in your mind that you should conjure up the thought that I say nothing to them, you know, and I like the I like the mindset that, you know, a person if you saw somebody that you say you care for, that you say you love, and you, you, they were walking out in front of the street, just this basic analogy, but they're walking out in the street and you saw a bus coming, like, dude, you're going to scream, yell, fight. And you may even go to the point, if you truly love them, you may even go to the point of just pulling them out of the road. But you don't just be quiet when you see people are doing something that are very destructive to where they're going to destroy themselves. And not only that, they're going to destroy the people that are around them, you know, and it's unfortunate, but the times that we have coming to now is that we, as the church, we are letting worldly people dictate how we should preach the gospel to them. We are letting worldly people dictate 
what God thinks about things. We are letting the world dictate what God thinks about things. And dude, you have to realize that the worldly mind is carnal. Uh, I mean, the worldly mind is hostile towards God. Uh, it cannot serve him. Neither does it want to. The uh, person who is in the world will look at God's uh, commandments of do good to those who spitefully misuse you, uh, show joy, show patience, show peace, show kindness, the fruits of the spirit. Uh, uh, the one who talks about forgiving somebody 70 times seven. And I'm not talking about just for petty stuff, but for huge things that people do that are intentionally to hurt you, that you're supposed to walk into a place of forgiveness and grace and mercy, the same way that Jesus Christ had done for you. When it comes to telling that to the world, they don't comprehend that. The world thinks that, hey, man, we get vengeance and we get our own way and we are completely hostile toward things that are good. And there are worldly people who do good things. It doesn't mean that just because you are in the world, you don't have good behavior, or do good things. But I would find more often than not that the motive or the intent of why they do those things are usually not in the right alignment with the righteousness of God. And we even find that in scripture. He says that, you know, God says that your righteousness is as filthy rags unto him. And it's because he not only looks at the action by which you do, but he looks at the ulterior motive that is in your heart of why you do that action. So, um, it's unfortunate and it's kind of, uh, this is, this is the times that we're coming in. I say that for, for example, of when it comes to the body of Christ, it's some very critical and crucial times. And, um, also too, as well, you know, it's a lot of believers now they they are opting for worldliness and in them opting for, in them opting for worldliness, it has come to a point to where the gospel, uh, or living out the gospel, whether it be in your character or whether it be in your heart, it's not really of an importance or a priority unto them. So it's sad, but this is what we're dealing with. I do want to say happy mother's day for all of the mothers out there. Um, you know, I told my, my, um, my wife happy mother's day because we do have our first child on the way. Um, so, uh, kudos to you guys. Now this is a very, uh, important because, you know, on this mother's day, this very moment, we have people that are fighting for women <laughs> to not be mothers. And it, it's unfortunate, but it's the times that we live in. Now, if you think about the, if you think about the ideology of the world that we live in now, and if you guys see what's going on, cause I think a lot of people lack discernment. Uh, so they're not, they're not actually watching and actually discerning the times that we are in, but we are, I don't believe that we are in callous times like we were in the, like it was in the day of days of Noah. I believe it's getting close to there. Uh, but, uh, I, and I believe that their time is coming. But as of right now, I believe that we are we are on the brink of callousness, uh, which means that, you know, a callous, I think in a, a callous time, in my opinion, is when when you try to communicate something that is righteous, that is good, that people know is righteous or good. They've always known it to be righteous or good. And when you communicate to them or you talk to them about it, that they automatically rebel against that truth. That's a callous time, but I don't believe that it's so callous because I believe that there's still a good majority of people out there whose hearts are not settled in their uh, supposed 
convictions that have been stuffed to them by the media or by the world. And I believe that they can still be convinced. They can still be swayed. Um, and that's a good sign for me. But, you know, when you think about it, in the times of Noah, it said that people had come to the point to where they thought to do evil continually, which means that I mean continuously, but they were always thinking to do evil. You know, a person like that, like there's, they're at a point of callousness or past feeling, uh, stiff neckness. Uh, you really can't communicate anything to them. You can't commute any type of moral law, any more objectivity. Uh, you can't communicate any type of standard of living or standard of holiness to them because they're going to always rebel or fight against it. You know, um, you know, in this past generation, most people grew up in church and because people grew up in church, they grew up hearing the gospel. They hear growing. They grew up uh, hearing what good morality is and what good, good morality, not although it came with a bunch of extra stuff uh, that are more religious in nature. Uh, they still grew up with some type of way of thinking that for them, they knew for a fact that certain things were wrong, even if they couldn't biblically prove it. Um, but now uh, I was watching uh, the Ray Comfort. Uh, I was watching Ray Comfort's video and he was talking to a young lady and the young lady, man, so serious. She legit, he was asking her question. She had got an abortion and, you know, she didn't have any type of shame about it. And I believe that as he continued to ask her, he started to talk to her about Ten Commandments and, uh, you know, whether or not she had broken them, you know, just to try to see so she can see her sin and her need for being saved by uh, by saved by a savior, by God, you know. But this this uh, girl, man, she she uh, she got upset. I could tell that it was starting to get to her, but she made it seem as if if it didn't. But she legit. She said, all right, I'm done talking. She was like, I don't feel any guilt about my abortion. And she had no type of feeling about. Like, although she understood it wasn't human, she was shown or proven that it wasn't human with a distinct personality. And she saw the pictures and all that type of stuff. She still, even after that, felt no type of guilt or shame. Like, dude, that's callousness. That's a terrifying place to be, you know. And I think the reason why it's happening the most is because in this day and time now, people are not willing to have meaningful conversations with people that disagree with them. You know, if you if you truly believe that you are right about what you're saying, if you believe that you have actual factual information, logical information, philosophical, uh, uh, coherent information, or even scientific information, whatever it may be, you should be willing to have that peer reviewed and critiqued by anybody, you know, and you should be willing to reason back and forth with people about what they believe and why they believe it and uh, why it doesn't make sense or why it does make sense. Uh, but, you know, what we're dealing with now is that we're dealing with a very stubborn and stiff neck type of generation to where people don't even want to have conversation. You know, I find that it's, it's, it's so funny. Me and my friends talk about this a lot. But, you know, there are people if you if you're on, let's say you're having a conversation with them on Facebook or something and they're going off. Uh, trying to promote some type of sinful lifestyle and you want to have a legit logical conversation with them. People will throw away logic sometimes in order to continue to believe what they believe uh, it is crazy. And they'll go to the point of deleting people's comments. If the comments disagree with them or throwing away all type of opinions that is different from theirs. And then in the, in the, in the same sense, calling someone um, they're calling you, uh, you know, judgmental or saying that you are uh, stuck in your ways. 
and you're just trying to have the conversation. You want the proof. You want the evidence, something that makes sense. Uh, so, you know, it's interesting to me that in the midst of that, that we have even moved back from the point of having a conversation. And if you can't talk to somebody about what they are doing wrong and, you know, why they did it wrong, that person is prideful and stubborn. You know, anybody who's in who claims to be in the body of Christ, you should be willing to have a brother or a sister in the faith. Um, and especially if you're a man, it's probably better if it's a brother. And if you're a woman, it's probably better if it's a sister. But I'm saying you should be willing to have somebody that's in the body that ha that presents you a level of accountability to let you know, hey, man, you know what you did or what the, your way of thinking is wrong. It's unbiblical. And you actually let them know why. And if somebody can give you biblical justification of why what you did or why your decision making was wrong or against the nature of Christ, you should humbly yield yourself to that way of thinking that that's the way it should be. Uh, and, uh, like, I mean, if, if, if I'm doing something that, you know, uh, that is biblically wrong in my marriage and, you know, my wife says that, Hey man, of course it's all the way, always too about the way that you communicate that. But if my wife can clearly show me in the scripture to where I did something wrong, regardless of how hurt I am, or regardless of how powerful or stubborn I may get as a believer, I have to come to yield to that word to say, you know what? Like, yeah, please forgive me. I apologize. And I, who knows? I may end up doing it again. But the idea behind it is that my heart is in a place of humility, that I'm willing to submit myself to the truth of the gospel, to the truth of the word, because that is my supreme goal or standard that I'm chasing to live after. You know, and Proverbs makes it clear, man. It says that if you reproach a foolish man or correct a foolish man, he will hate you and despise you. But if you do it to a wise person, he will love you and he will accept you and he will thank you for what you did. And uh, in this time, we, we really are dealing with people that are in a place of foolishness. Um, it's unfortunate, but I think it's more in the lane, lanes of willful ignorance because um, because of the love for sin. Really, um, if you read in Romans chapter one, it says that people suppress the truth about God due to unrighteousness. Um, and even when you think about Jesus, like look at how Christ was when he first you know, was doing his ministry and all that type of stuff. People loved him. They adored him and all that type of stuff. And then they got to a point where people was upset with him. They hated him. And the same people that he had healed, some of those same people was the same ones that was fighting against him. Now, mind you, Jesus said, if the world hates you, do not, uh, do not be upset or dismayed because the world first hated him. But then he also explains why the world hated him. And he said, I, the world hates me because I testified that his deeds are evil. And if you as a believer believe that you shouldn't testify to the world that their deeds are evil, then how can you how can you help them come to the knowledge, saving knowledge of Christ? Like people can't truly become a Christian unless they realize that they need saving from sin. Like um, I heard one of my boys say this a while ago, but I mean, a couple years ago, but it's you can't hear the good news without first hearing the bad news first. And when it comes to the world, we should be willing to reason with them and have discussions with them to show them the severity of their sin and how it leads to a just judgment of God and how they can be saved from that sin. But it shouldn't go to the level of us just stopping to have conversation. Um, and it's um, it's unfortunate, but these are the times that we live in now. And, dude, there was uh, I was thinking about, um, you know, how. 
Uh, right now, you know, there's a lot of people that's throwing the scripture away. They're throwing the word away. Uh, mm-hmm. They're pretty much getting rid of anything that, um, you know, that are telling them to live a godly and holy life. And, you know, one of the reasons is sin and, you know, people love sin. So you're going to deal with that. But I remember um, uh, one day I, I saw something on Facebook in a conversation. And these are amongst Christians. And when I was listening to like, you know, some of the statements and different types, I was like, man, dude, I had literally become to a, I came to a point of almost lamenting in my heart uh, because I was deeply disturbed and deeply hurt at the level of um, callousness that had grown in certain believers or some of these believers uh, that they were at the point that they could no longer discern or feel uh, what was, I mean, not that because you just, you have the knowledge in scripture, but as a believer, if you are submitting to the spirit so that you will not gratify the pleasures of the flesh, you are living a life of meditating on God's word daily, praying and talking to him daily. Um, and it's not like it's this daunting task where you have to do too much. But I'm saying like if your life and your heart is devoted to the Lord on a day to day basis, you are eating your daily bread. You know, you ought to feel and know when some things are wrong, even if you don't have an explanation for them. You just know that, man, God wouldn't like this or this is not God's type of behavior or this is not God's way of thinking. This is not God's way of speaking like the closer that you become to the father, you begin to naturally acknowledge these things. So, you know, it hurts you when you talk to you know certain people and you're like, yo, like, how do you not like feel or know that that is wrong? You know, so it's like a it's a place of callousness that we are coming to. And I believe that we are in the beginning stages of it. And uh, because of that, you're going to always be dealing with people that's going to fight or go against the grain in that area. So, man, uh, this stuff is going rampant, man, especially with the abortion. And then, you know, if you guys don't know, uh, Christians are still being killed across the world. It's not, uh, we're not really dealing with that in America, but when you think about the worldly sense of things, there are believers who are actually legit out there being murdered and killed. And that sucks. Uh, that sucks because a, a lot of them are, uh, a lot of them are fending for their lives. And mind you, I'm not making, I'm not going to make it seem like they are, um, angry or upset because I don't believe that Stephen, Peter, Paul, uh, John, um, I don't believe that any of them were, um, um, upset about being killed. Uh, well, I don't think, I don't think John was, I think James was, well, it's either James or John that wasn't actually killed or martyred for the faith. But when, when you think about the martyrs, I don't believe that they are in a point of regret or upsetness for being martyred for the faith uh, or being martyred for, you know, martyred for believing in Christ. But it's still unfortunate that it's happening. Um, and I believe that we do take our world for granted here in America because, man, we have it really good, dude. Uh, you know, imagine having to like being afraid to 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 leave your house or terrified because somebody might come snatch you and your kids up and kill you or torture you, you know. Um, so it, that time may come eventually because our country is getting very hostile towards Christians. And, um, you know, a lot of times people don't know it, but, you know, our battle isn't with flesh and blood. You keep fight. People keep fighting against the president. They keep fighting for politicians and against politicians. And, yeah, we could talk about stuff that they do wrong. But really, the battle is against spiritual wickedness and principalities in high places. It's not against people. And you you have to realize that man is not your enemy. It's the the ideologies that are being implanted inside of man 
uh, that is the enemy. And then also, too, as well, the demonic spirits that's at work in our country is the enemy. You get them coming from. So um, and we see it in scripture, man, to where there were people who were, uh, you know, they were killing their babies as sacrifices unto these false idols, unto these gods. Um, and I believe that some of this stuff is still happening today. I believe that those children are uh, dismembered. And this is might be going off of the uh, the deep end but uh, more conspiracy. But I do believe that there are children, children when they are snatched out of the womb, especially in during those late term abortions, I believe that they are dismembered and that they are offered as uh, sacrifices unto demonic spirits. It has happened all throughout time. Um, it has been a, a norm, uh, idol, idol worship, all that type of stuff. Um, so I don't, I'm, I'm not going to rule out that it doesn't happen now. That would just be foolish. Uh, so especially with the type of ideologies that we see swimming up in our nation, like I know for a fact that it's happening. Um, but that's why, man, believers, man, we got to stay strong. We got to stay vigilant on truth, no matter what people say or no matter what people, if they make you feel guilty about preaching the truth, don't bend on the truth, regardless of what people say, man. And do you have to stop letting as a Christian you cannot let people dictate how you communicate the gospel. The Bible makes it clear. It gives us a clear uh, blueprint of how we are to communicate to non-believers, how we are to preach the gospel to them. And it's only the gospel that's the power into salvation. Nothing else. That's it. And one thing I say all the time is that if that excuse can't be used here on earth, that excuse can't be used in heaven. I don't care how great of an excuse that it sounds like. If a person goes, I mean, if the if that excuse can't be used used in heaven before the judgment seat of God, that excuse can't be used here on earth. That's what I meant to say. If a person goes and they're before the judgment seat of God after they die, right? And God says, "Hey, man, why didn't you give your life to Christ?" And the person says, "Like, yeah, man, I, I was gonna give my life to Jesus, man, but you know, that guy he was kind of brash to me. He was like very direct. I didn't like the way he was talking to me." So the way he was talking to me, it just wasn't really respectful. It wasn't kind. He wasn't acting like I thought a Christian should act. So I decided to not serve you. And in, in the worldly person's mindset, hey, that sounds perfectly good. But in God's mindset, it was like, dude, if you knew for a fact that the message that he was communicating was true, which means that you knew that you needed to be saved from sin and you knew that Jesus Christ was the true and only way of salvation, it doesn't matter how somebody is talking to you, the way that they communicate it to you or how brash they are. It doesn't matter. You rejected the message. That's why Jesus says, if you go out preaching the gospel and people hate you, don't be dismayed because they first hated him. And he told you the reason why the world hated him. And it wasn't because of the way he communicated. I'm pretty sure that Jesus going over and flipping over tables didn't like, oh, you know what? I was going to serve him. I saw him healing me, healing people and all that stuff. But you know what? I'm not going to serve him now. Like, nah, I can't do it. Like, no, dude, that's not the reason. And it, that excuse cannot be used. I'll give you a prime example. If you think about the the guy who was... Um, who was sent to hell because he had mistreated the poor man on earth. Now, the poor man was in Abraham's bosom and they bo could both clearly see each other, but there was a divide so the guy couldn't leave hell. So he was stuck there. He was so hot that he literally told the guy that, hey, man, come take the water and just dip it on my lip, you know, just to give me a little sip of water. And they was like, nope, can't do it. Can't come there. I mean, so 
the guy decides to say like, man, this place is crazy. It's hot. He's being tormented by or being tormented in judgment by the sin that he had did inside of a burning hell. So this guy decides to tell uh, to tell them to say, hey, man, just le- at least let me go tell my family. Like, le- let me go tell my family. Like, if I go tell them not to come to this place. Now, mind you, he wasn't trying to tell them to, to come to receive the gospel. Just tell them not to come there. So if that if uh, the response of the analogy is that the person says that, dude, if they're not willing to receive the Moses and the prophets, they won't receive you. This guy assumed that because it was his family, we eat together, we break bread together, we hang out together, we do things together, we cool, we friends. They're going to definitely receive Jesus if I come tell them about it. The Jesus said, if they won't receive Moses and the prophets, neither will they receive you. It's not about the person. It's not about the, the way that things are done. It's the message that people don't want. It's the word that's being communicated that they don't want. And most Christians have to understand that because I've seen a lot of believers have taken their backseat to communicating the gospel because worldly people are telling them like, hey, man, I don't like the way that you communicate that. I want you to take me out to dinner and be a little bit nicer to me. Maybe I'll receive your Jesus. That has nothing to do with the person receiving Christ. It's the gospel that is the power to salvation. And that's it. That's it. All of the other stuff, we can do it, but we don't. The reason why we don't see those things in the New Testament church when they are preaching the gospel is because they are not necessary to win a soul. It's not necessary. You know, when you look at Peter and the, he preached to 3,000 um, 3, Gentiles um, and they all had got saved and, you know, start serving the Lord and all that type of stuff. You know, that wasn't um, that wasn't uh, a thing of, oh, man, um Man, you know, you ain't take us out to eat. You ain't do nothing special with us. I mean, he clearly communicated the gospel of Christ, and that was it, because he understood and knew that this is the only name by which men should be saved, and this is the only message that is relevant to their salvation. So we can talk, as believers, we could talk about ideologies. We could talk about abortion. We could talk about all of the the many problems with our society. But to be honest with you, the only thing that will really, really change this world is if people come to know and experience a loving relationship with Christ. And I'm not saying that we don't hold men accountable for their sins or for their wrongdoing, but I believe most and for, for first and foremost, we hold them accountable to the God that they are rebelling against. And we let them know that the only way that you can become right is if you are saved by him. It don't matter if you turn over a new leaf and start doing things the right way. You are still your righteousness. As the Bible says, is as filthy rags unto the Lord. It still is. You can stop smoking. You can stop drinking. You can stop clubbing. You can start being faithful. You can do anything that you want. Your righteousness is still as filthy rags unto God. And it's only him that can save you. So, um, that's all that I have for you guys today, man. I'm not going to make it too much longer. Um, our next broadcast and our next, um, uh, I mean, our next podcast is going to be a little bit more lengthier because, you know, we will be doing a testimony and I won't, I'm going to be having my boy in, uh, Josiah, uh, Rich Charles, he's going to be talking about his story and how he had came to know the Lord. It's going to be about two weeks from now, a couple weeks from now. Uh, he's going to be talking about his story and how he came to know the Lord. And it's an amazing testimony. I remember when I first heard it, me and my wife, we was out eating with him and his wife. And we were just having dinner, just hanging out. And, you know, he briefly told me about his, you know, how he had came to know the Lord. And it's just areas after his walk, too, as well. And I was amazed. And I was blown away because to me, it was a testament of if God could save somebody like him, 
he could surely save other people who are dealing with the same issues and problems. So, uh, guys, make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, keep your eyes up. And I think it's going to be an amazing broadcast, and I think it's going to be something good to listen to. Thank you for watching. God bless, and be vigilant.